Upstream with Jim and John, father and son conversations about discipleship and culture in the Pacific Northwest. I'm John. And I'm Jim. Welcome to episode 126. We are so glad you're here. And today we're going to talk about a whack on the side of the head. (laughs) Three of them. Three whacks. We're Mm going to give you three whacks on the side of the head and you're going to be, you're going to thank us for it. (laughs) This will sound like three small mini episodes, uh, but they are three uh, what would you call them, John? Aha moments, um, epiphanies, epiphanies. Really profound not, principles. We're not going to whack you on the head. We're telling you about three times that we got whacked in the side of yes, the head. Yes, yes. And uh, tell us where you got this phrase from. Oh, there's a book uh, I read years ago called "A Whack on the Side of the Head," <laughs> and it is a book designed to get you to look at problems differently and think differently, so that you don't get limited by the kind of thinking you've always done. So the classic example from the book is that when typewriters were invented and they were just the manual typewriters, they weren't electric typewriters. I don't know if you, you're probably too young for this, John, but if you ever typed on one of those, if you hit letters, if you got fast, the letters would clump at the front when they went to the page and they would hit each other and freeze. Mm -hmm. And so you'd have to unfreeze them, figure out where you left off. And some white out to undo whatever they had done. And if you were a really fast typist, this happened a lot. So they kept insisting all these uh, office personnel, we would they called them secretaries in those days. Uh, they got so fast at typing that the typewriters were constantly getting stuck. It was frustrating. So the pressure was on the typewriter companies to build faster typewriters. And instead, they said, let's build slower typists. So they jumbled the keyboard, thus the keyboard you have. Oh, the QWERTY keyboard. Yes. Yeah. That's where that came from. It used to be A, B, C, D. It used to be more logical. Now it appears completely illogical. And uh, they confused the keyboard to slow down the typist because they could not build a faster typewriter. Hmm. So that that idea was a whack on the side of the head. That was a whack on the side of the head. And uh, these are not exactly like that because these are profound concepts that actually are changing the way we approach certain things. Mm Mm-hmm. So uh, I think you're going to enjoy them. Before yeah. that, though, it's story time, John, and you're up. I'm not even saying joke or story time. It's story time, It's man. story time, so let her fly. Story time with John. <laughs> um, so I had a uh, uh, realization. This was a smell-associated memory. Ooh, I, I love those. I love those, too. I got a lot of them. This one makes sense because it was so potent in a good way. So it is, <laughs> I remember it because it was the convergence is of a potent, lot of potent a positive word? That seems like that would be a negative word. I guess pungent would be negative. Pungent sounds negative. But, but even people say pungent cheese in a good way. Yeah, not me. <laughs> well, then maybe for you, the answer is no. Yeah. Pungent's never good. All right. So but this was a potent smell. Yeah. Well, for, first off, this was the convergence of uh, uh, many good things happening on one day. This was my last day of junior year of high school. Okay. And uh, so, you know, last day. A lot of people don't show up on the last day. I always did because it felt like you were on the road and no one else was there. Like there's no traffic. So it was oh. like you go to your classes, there's no work. You're just hanging out. It just felt good. So I always went to these. Even though I didn't necessarily have to. What population of the school would you say s- skipped out on the last day? Uh, probably 40%. Wow. Lots of people didn't show. That's a big deal. More and more as you got higher up. Seniors, almost nobody. You know. Yeah. 
Uh, but it, but so freshman sophomore, there's more junior yeah. year. People people start you know knowing okay. that they can get away with certain. So things. it's forty percent of your peeps are around, and you're there on that but, last day. For some reason, maybe this is something about the people that uh, that I attract and that attract me. You were all there. They were there. Yeah, they were the. <laughs> they, they must have been had nothing better to do because most of them were there. Most of my my friends. Uh, so I go to the other thing that happens on this day. The other big thing is a video game that I've been looking forward to for a long time, probably a year and a half. Was coming out that day, oh. that Friday, and normally games come out on Tuesdays. So when a game comes out on a Friday, it's a bit, it's kind of a special thing because then you can stay up all night long exactly. and play that new game. You get it. So I uh, I I wash my clothes the night before. That's how you know I'm excited about this. <laughs> I wash my <laughs> jeans. So I go upstairs uh, before I uh, go to school, and I I don't drive at this point. I didn't get my driver's license until I was 18. Yeah, my senior year. So you can uh, you can tell why someday. I don't. I, I've never understood it. But where uh, was I going to go? Well, I wouldn't have to drive you to school anymore. You're going <laughs> to go got, to school. I got free rides to school, and if you if you drove me to and from, I often got Starbucks out of it. Oh, there was my failure. Yeah, what incentive did I have to get my? I driver's should have license? made it where you had to pump gas all the time. <laughs> should have. So anyway, I need to ride to school and back. And so, but I go up and I take my jeans out of the dryer and I set them on top of the washer dryer. You know, they're next to each other. Set them up there. Uh, while I get my other stuff out, then I you know get dressed. And uh, and what I didn't know was that one of those you know those Febreze air wall plugins. <laughs> oh yeah, uh, yeah. It had so like a little capsule that you plug into the wall and it spreads uh, smell. It had been lying uncapped on the top of the washer. So I put my jeans up there, and it just soaks up this highly concentrated Febreze uh, scent. Wow. Was it also a stain? No. No. So it, no, you couldn't see a spot? No, it washed out. But so basically, I don't notice right away. Oh, you and mean it happened before you washed them? No, after. Later yeah. on, it washed yeah, out. Yeah, so, so I was asking, though, did it leave a mark? No, no, that's why I didn't notice at first. Wow, okay. Uh, you're right. When I said watch out, you'd, you would think that it left a mark then, but right. no, it didn't. So I didn't even I didn't even notice Tom sitting down. I think we had an assembly that day because the last day of school or something. I'm sitting down somewhere, and I'm and going. Suddenly, everybody around you is going, somebody smells pretty. No, me. I'm thinking, who who smells like, like, what is that? It smells like a laundry <laughs> truck just drove by, like a clean one. And so finally, I, like, bend down, and it's like it's like on my right thigh, like, just nice. soaked in there. yeah. And uh, it is, but it's bone dry. You don't feel wet. No, I don't feel wet because yeah. I think it's I think it's oil. I think it evaporates. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so this, but this was <laughs> very strong. And so then I nothing I can do. I'm at school. So I go through the day. Uh, that day, for whatever reason, uh, you guys couldn't make it. So Julie was going to be my ride home mm-hmm. from school. And so uh, I tell her, "Hey, I got I got to stop at GameStop and get this game on the way home." And she kind of, yeah, you know, hymns and ahs about it. But she, she does it because she's a good sister. Takes me to GameStop. I get this game. I go home. And I play it. So now I have uh, a very, very, I mean, that day is cemented in memory because of the smell. I, if I ever smell this in someone's home or in a store or something, just bam, right back to specifically the game. Because then I played that for, you know, maybe five hours that night or something. something. And so uh, the smell itself at the time was not part of the perfect day. But no, it, it was but just it now a, reminds you exactly. of the perfect day. And it was notable because that doesn't normally happen. Did anybody ever so. say anything to you about, John, you <laughs> smell pretty today? Or I don't think so. I don't spend a lot of time in close contact with people, especially in high school. Yeah, and the friends of yours that would have shown up that day are not verbose. So some of them more than you'd think. So there, There's a, a loud dork and a quiet dork. A lot oh, of these okay. were loud dorks. Oh, okay. Uh, you were a quiet dork. <laughs> it's high school. Let's tell the truth, shame the devil. Dorks don't smell very good. 
So I don't oh. know, you know, maybe they didn't even notice. Maybe they did notice. They didn't want to say anything. I don't know. Interesting. But uh, that was, it's a very good day. Where did you recently smell that smell and travel back in time to this moment? It's funny. I didn't. I was actually, because I've had, I had COVID back in now, whenever the heck, a lifetime ago. Right. I still don't have my smell all the way back. But I was talking to, uh, is your is it your sister in law? If it's your wife's sister in law, yeah, that's uh, that is a sister in law, but it's kind of a sister in law by marriage kind of thing, right? Yeah, I was talking to her about because she was she also has terrible. Know, eyesight. I've always wondered what do you call that? I just get to say sister in law. I, I think so. She's got terrible eyesight like me, and she was talking about smell association. I was like, me too. And so we were having that conversation. And I remembered this day where I left my jeans gotcha. on the thing. So I did not actually smell that smell recently because I, my schnoz isn't back to the snuff. <laughs> and it breaks my heart a little bit that I because I love that association. But it was a very good day. One That's of, awesome. One of my favorites. That's awesome. Yeah. Okay. Well, let's dive into some wax on the head. Let's let's whack each other upside the head <laughs> uh, <laughs> with these thoughts. And we have three of them. Mm-hmm. And uh, so we'll go one, two, three. And I'll go first. You go second. I'll go third. And, For sure. Uh, see how they go. All right, um, this this one for me came from a book that uh, you and I are in a discipleship group with about, uh, I think, seven other people. And uh, there's a, a book we were reading called Prodigal God by Tim Keller. Mm-hmm. And this is actually a thought from that book that I, it just leapt off the page, apparently didn't to you, because when I mentioned it to you, you didn't, you didn't recognize it immediately. Well, you, so the way you phrased it when we were have, spitballing this conversation was, I would say more hyperbolic than Tim Keller phrases it in the book. It's the way I heard it when I read it in my head. I also have your, I'm reading, we have, we share a Amazon account. So on my yeah. ebook, I'm seeing your highlights. You've got almost this whole book highlighted. So yeah, I know, I, I know you're enjoying it. Yeah. It's a very, it's a very great book. <laughs> it is good. And it's a small book. Anyway, yeah. uh, the, the statement is this. And so here's the first, you know, knock you upside the head. Uh, everything, every person has ever naturally thought about how to connect with God or relate to God Mm -hmm. is wrong. Boom. Drop the mic. Drop the mic. (laughs) Everything that every human being in history has naturally assumed or thought. So their natural inclinations about. The natural inclination about how would one connect with God. Yeah. How would someone relate to God? Every natural inclination about that is wrong. Yeah. I get it. You do get it? I get it with the word natural in there. Yes, because I didn't use the word natural when we were talking earlier. Right. And so you made me clean it up. I would just say it the way I, the way I feel it is. Every, every inclination every human being's ever had about how to connect with God is wrong. I would say maybe every inclination from man about how to connect to God. Well, that's because you're doing the writer thing and you want to be precise. I just want it because then as soon as you say that, then I go, well, whatever you're about to tell me. Is wrong because you've just said every single every man's idea about right. God is wrong, and so the the answer to that is the only way to get it right is for God to reveal it to you mm-hmm. because you'll never get it right without God's help. So, what does God reveal to us in this? Well, how do we moment? think? When how does everybody think about God? You think about every religion on planet Earth, every religion that's ever been has this in common. If you want to relate to God, you must what? You must please Him. Mm-hmm. So you must, you must perform well. You must, uh, be a good person. You must, uh, obey. Mm -hmm. Um, you must, you know, you gotta, you gotta step up. Yeah. If you look at, I mean, uh, approach him with humility and reverence and ancient uh, religions around the world, you must, you know, uh, make sacrifices for him. Yeah. 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 And so all of these inclinations are dead wrong, Mm -hmm. which is interesting because even when God does reveal to us, 
how to connect with God, we don't trust that. <laughs> and we believe ourselves instead. So the way God says, let me tell you how to connect with me. Receive my love. Hmm. Receive what I, I'll do all the connecting. You just do all the receiving. And so I'm going to forgive you. I'm going to love you. I'm going to, I'm going to die for you. Um, you don't have to do it. I'm going to do it and it'll be done for you. Hmm. This would never occur to a human being without God telling us. Right. And because then, of that, again, I have to earn this. I yes. To, and yeah. then consequently, God tells us that, uh, mama said, if something sounds too good to be true, it, it probably, probably is. is. And this sounds too good to be true. Yeah. And I think there's even, because then, you know, we dance between a kind of, uh, even just last week talking about holiness and perfecting holiness, mm-hmm. we, we talk about how much what we do matters with our body, what we, what we do, you know, day to day matters. Mm-hmm. And then we have this truly free grace, one-sided relationship where we just need to accept, yeah. you know, the other side. So it's, it is tough because even as a church, you, someone might say, talk about how free this is. And other people go, Ooh, not that free. You know, so it's not even just yourself. Right. It's, it's, it's the culture. A lot of exactly. Times. Because we're a performance-based culture. Right. And what's interesting, the reason I like this uh, whack on the side of the head, this knock on my head is because it reminds me to stop not believing this. Because it's my impulse not to believe it. Yeah. And so uh, this reminds me, hey, 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 hey. That's not how you connect to God. Yeah. You connect to God by receiving profoundly, gratefully his love for you. This is how you connect. And it brings humility. It brings gratitude. It brings, uh, I have nothing in my hands to bring because I got nothing that will satisfy that. I can't outdo that. It's this is interesting because I've I've thought this for a while, mm. or that the you know uh, when uh, Jesus says you must forgive someone even if they sin against you and repent seven times in a single day, right? You know that thing, and we, and we believe that he wouldn't tell us to do that if that's not something he himself does, and even more than seven, you know. But who you know. does that? Well, exactly. But then I think so. I, I think that logic. I think yeah, Jesus feels that way about me, and then when I perform poorly. I go, yeah, but not, not this time. Or so like, if I think, um, it's really about the walk and that I believe if I abide in the vine slowly, but surely these fruits will grow right. and I will have and more then, of these fruits because of the fruits. He'll really <laughs> like me. Right. Right. And all of those, or even that I will stop abiding out of shame, mm-hmm. but beforehand. So like if I'm in a good season, I think, well, I know that if I sinned, God would still be there with me. I would still be able to feel his presence. And then I sin and I do not even attempt to enter the presence out of shame. Right. So really that betrays, that really shows you that I don't even. What you do trust. You actually do get it wrong. Exactly. So then, yeah, go ahead. Well, lately then I've, I've tried to, all right, I had a, a, a bad day. I was mad at people today. Mm -hmm. Uh, and then I go, well, I'm going to try and abide anyway. And it's, it works and he's there and Mm -hmm. it's the most raw feeling. Yeah. It feels so vulnerable. It's yes. really, it's a very intense situation that Which I, that is I a had beautiful really, thing. Yeah, it is to know that he's still there and it deepens your appreciation for that and your trust in that. And so I like telling myself this because I still get it wrong and it, and it makes me double think like mm. you just said, you know, you go through that process and you instinctively withdraw because of a bad performance day. Exactly. And it'll make you stop doing that. Cause you'll go, wait, 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 I'm not getting this right because my my thinking processes about God are instinctively wrong. Yeah. 
anyway, that's my that's my whack on the side of the head. I think it's I think it's uh, for me. It is. I I haven't stopped thinking about it since I read it four days ago. Yeah, and it just leaps at me that that phrase that that concept. Yeah, and then and even just a mini uh, mini media thing. The prodigal God. The whole point of it is how uh, intensely and. You know that song, uh, uh, "Reckless Love," mm-hmm. is a, and, and some people were a little mad about that about God being reckless. But the whole point of the book is rereading the prodigal of the prodigal son with how in, exorbitant and reckless the love of God is, and it's it's really great. And the word "prodigal" means to spend recklessly, right? And it is the father who does that. Yeah, uh, he outspends the rebellious son. Yeah, so he's the prodigal of God. Yeah, I really love it. Okay, so my uh, whack on the side of the head. I wonder if that's inherently violent to me. Mine wasn't as violent, this one. but uh, Okay, this was what? This uh, was a, a tap. A subtle tap on the shoulder. <laughs> uh, romanticism was this one. I had this, I had this, this thought because we talked a, a few weeks ago about dehumanization mm-hmm. and specifically about authority. People in authority over us, politicians are across the other side of the aisle than we are, and we dehumanize when we go. They're waking up just thinking about how they can destroy America. How can America. we destroy America today? Or even, if you're not going to go that dramatic, you might say, they're thinking, how can I destroy white rural America today? Or, or, how, can, like or how can I destroy conservatives Con- today? Exactly. Yeah. And so we talked about humanizing them, to think that they are more than likely just trying to find ways to better their their uh, constituents. And Which is another one of those uh, knocks on the head when we had this, this thought, uh, do not... Do not ascribe malevolence when, when ignorance will suffice. Mm-hmm. And that's one of those guiding, you know, oh, that's that's really profound. That's smart. Yeah. So that is dehumanization. But I had the realization that it actually goes in most directions when you have extreme feelings. So you think of like a really early stage puppy love or like a crush or like just the very, very beginning honeymoon phase of infatuation. a relationship. Infatuation. And it's, it's a, a really, really dramatic uh, it, when you're in it, it feels very intense. And that is what I realized, uh, is dehumanization. The person that you are infatuated with, you're ruining romance novels for a lot of people right now. Well, and you might think, cause you, you nudge me, you know, the, the biblical word there, the, the, the provoke, you provoke your child, which you're not quite supposed to do. You nudge me on my, uh, uh, romanticism or, or poetic nature. I hate love poetry. Really? I despise it. Yeah, I've never once read a love poem that I actually liked. That's interesting because like, you love poetry. I love poetry. Well, there's most poetry is better than love poetry. And I like some <laughs> romantic songs. Anyway, that's not the point of this. Right. The point is that the uh, that the same dehumanization that you do for an enemy, to when you feel extreme levels of hate for somebody, it is you don't see them as, you don't understand their humanity. You don't understand that them, that they are three-dimensional. And when you are romanticized, that it cools off, and and we would say actually matures into potential greater uh, fulfillment and emotions than that when you recognize them as human. Mm-hmm. You can't hold that level of idolization, worshiping the ground they walk on, when you know them fully as as a human. But when they're just a a pretty lady who seems absolutely perfect, uh, yeah, I mean, of course you'd you'd be you know just way in over your head in in love and then that cooling off you know people go man i wish i could feel that again 
But the reality is that and the, people divorce people for yes. this reason, and, or they end dating relationships for this reason. Well, this must not be the one, or they start to feel because that, I'm not feeling that romance anymore. They start to feel that early way about someone else because oh, they don't yeah, know that yeah. person, right? They're romanticizing that person, <laughs> so they're dehumanizing that. They're person. dehumanizing that person exactly, exactly. They don't get it. So uh, this is, I was try, I, I just realized it goes in all always idolization of uh, uh, actors, celebrities. But really, the the meat of this, the so what of this, is the ultimate goal of humanization of everyone that you ever interact with. And I say goal because I think it is physically with how our brains work, impossible, for one, to, to really achieve that, to really achieve full to humanization. To really fully of, humanize every person you know, read about, or think about. Yeah. You think that's not humanly possible. I don't think that, well, yeah. I think, I mean, we only have so many relationships total where you are really that thick with somebody that's what i think the uh part of could but you could grant them humanness in your mind even if you don't understand their specific humanness and that is that might be the so what of this is the the empathy or the knowledge of humanity Mm -hmm. so you don't know them but you know that you know humans you know humans and you know that they're there and you know that humans universally struggle and that, yeah, and that every single person, regardless of how, the, the true aha was towards a positive end. Man, that person seems amazing. And understanding that uh, that they're fully human, you know. And that's why uh, even the, I think about this with Jesus. We, not that we, I think it can be, this is an interesting thing to say, but we can dehumanize Jesus by not understanding the full weight of what he actually did here on earth as mm. a human body, mm. you know, with the temptations, with hunger and thirst. Yeah. And it, it almost, I would, I would not go as far as to say it cheapens what he did, but it, when you, when you think of him as your advocate, the power of that is greater knowing that he was in full flesh body. Yeah. You know, and when he says things like, uh, in John, he says, you know, at the well, uh, they go to get him food and he says, I have food you don't know about that food is to do the will of my father. He's saying that in his body of flesh, he subsists on obeying God that gives mm-hmm. him life. Mm-hmm. So that even phrases like that become so much more powerful when you fully accept the humanity of him. Mm-hmm. So really the the potential for this, I think is, is, is huge. Now this is interesting because you used a phrase a minute ago in passing um, that they become three dimensional. Yeah. And uh, that really is a is a jarring thing for me because what you what that makes you realize is when I'm dehumanizing someone, how do I know if I'm dehumanizing them? They are flat. They are they are only a face. Yeah. So I only recognize what they appear, or they're a they're a uh, what is the word I'm looking for? They're like a maybe facade or yeah yeah or well, the word that came to my mind really kept going to the word idolization because the idol is just an image it's just an object right. so so even on that, yeah. that positive end yeah i'm thinking of like i used to have a a, a life-size cardboard <laughs> who was that and it scared uh, you i had was, in the room it was chuck norris oh yeah i had a, i had a life-size black and white uh chuck norris that one the one that scared me was tina had i think snoop dogg down in the basement <laughs> <laughs> Way back, I mean, back in like 2003. And so uh, for you to, so this is what I'm saying back what I'm hearing. Yeah. Uh, for you to romantically be infatuated with a person, they are in fact a, they are a facade, not a human, a three-dimensional human. Right. And, and for you to hate them, they have to be that. Exactly. And for you to uh, worship them as a celebrity or whatever, 
this has to be the case. And, um, and my aha was we prefer that. Exactly. That's, that's the, the big, uh, uh, one, two with this is that the loss of that initial high in the relationship is mourned. That is a bad thing to a yeah, lot of we people. Grieve that. And, and then maybe if you were to hold someone to that, uh, uh, that, I, I don't standard that standard. Yeah. Then that's impossible. Cause that's not even, that's not even a human you were in love with. That was just the, and what I'm, what I'm realizing is that people prefer the dehumanized version right. because it's safer. It's predictable. It's, you know what I mean? And so even, even of say, their enemies, even I've had, of I've had people, people say, hate. yeah, I've had people say, yeah, cause they don't want to see their enemies as human. Right. I've even had people say, I want to volunteer at the church, but I know that if I get deeper into the church, I'm going to find parts of it I don't like. Hmm. And it's interesting. I've had people who we talk to, hey, would you be interested in being one of our board members or an elder? Well, I would, but I don't want to get under the hood because I know it's going to take me to, I'm going to never look See at the See how the sausage the gets yeah. made. And, yeah. and, uh, and the truth is, I, I pleasantly report, we haven't had people have that experience. They That's actually... Good. They actually, the more, the deeper they go, the more they love it. Yeah. And I think that's because of the authenticity of these kinds of conversations and realities is that we're not pretending to be cardboards. We're not pretending to be dehuman. I can tell you that as a pastor, lots of people see me as not a human being. Mm. I am one dimensional. And so it surprises them it when I have more dimensions. Yeah. And sometimes it offends them. And this is one of the reasons I teach and preach the way I do. I want to remind people constantly that I am not on a pedestal. I am not not human. I'm very much like you. Yeah. Because to fall off of that uh, idol thing is painful and it's disappointing to people and it can make them really mad at you when you don't measure up to their uh, image. Because to them, it's like a, it's almost like a betrayal of trust. Like you, you wounded them with your humanity. You betrayed me because I thought you were perfect. Yeah. Yeah. I it's I feel like I haven't quite gotten to a lot of the ahas yet because or a lot of the implications of this yet or the mm-hmm. uh, implementations of this. It's a lot to think but, about, and I really do like it. Yeah. All right, we're going to have our show and tell right after this break, so we'll be right back. Upstream is supported by the faithful members of the Upstream team, listeners who give monthly through Patreon. This podcast is just one part of the Jim and John ministry. They also write weekly blogs have published their first book, and are currently at work on more. Their desire is to produce transformational content, as well as offer encouragement and coaching to others. The dream is to see a movement of people who are integrating the work of Jesus into their daily lives, and who are joining Him on His mission to redeem and restore all things. Check out their website at jimandjohn.com, where you can learn more about the father-son duo and gain access to all they have to offer. If you would like to join the Upstream team, consider partnering with Jim and John on patreon.com slash John. A link is also available on the homepage of their website. And remember, there's no H in John. Now let's join Jim and John for the home stretch of today's conversation. All right, welcome back. Uh, we want to give a quick shout out to our patrons who uh, uh, make this possible. We have a few recurring charges and most they with, pay the bills software. They pay the bills. We've got uh, stuff that expedites our, our, uh, well, it's all again, how the sausage is made, how yeah. our podcast gets out to providers and how our website stays afloat and all this stuff. And, uh, we're very grateful to them and, uh, they get perks for doing that. And if you want to learn more about that, you can go to patreon.com slash Jim and John. 
No H in the John. No H in the John. Before, All right. Yeah, before show we get back to it, you got to show and tell. Oh, that's right. It's my turn. Yeah. I want to talk about my shoes. <laughs> <laughs> Your shoes. I have a pair of shoes that I actually had one of our missionary friends, a strategic partner from around the world. Uh-huh. They, every time I saw this guy, he would not stop talking about his shoes. And uh, <laughs> finally, one day I got time to burn. So I look them up online. The only way to get them is to order them online. Okay. And they are called Hoka's. H-O-K-A. And what's interesting, um, Hoka wearers are like Jeep drivers. You know, every Jeep driver okay. does a little wave. Yeah, but yeah. But yeah. Well, Hoka wearers, when they see another pair of Hokas, and they're easy to spot because they're kind of weird, mm-hmm. um, they run up to each other. Hokas, they'll say it. <laughs> Man, I love them. Do you love yours? <laughs> yeah, I love mine. And so I finally did it. I ordered a pair, and I got to tell you, man. It's the most comfortable pair of shoes I've ever put on in my entire life. You ever wore Crocs? Yes, for a moment, but I can't stand. <laughs> no, that, it could be that they're the same experience, but I oh, would look not. Better. I would not. Oh, Hoka's are way better. So I, I'm going to be, you know, fair here. I, we get no kickback from Hoka. They don't have any idea we're even doing this. Uh, I paid about 130 bucks, I think, for my Hoka's, which you know I'm from old school where 130 bucks for a pair of tennis shoes. That's that, sounds, a bit. that sounds like a lot. But I will tell you what. I will do it again. <laughs> I, uh, for, for, here's my ultimate endorsement. On Sundays, I get to the church about 6.30 in the morning, and then I leave there about 1. And for that entire time, I'm not on my feet maybe 30 minutes. Really? Yeah. And so typically between gatherings, I go back into the green room. I lay flat on the floor. I put my feet up in a chair, a high chair. So that my back will be flat and stop hurting. Uh, I have frequently on Sundays a lot of back pain. Brutal. And uh, I could have gone the entire, I could have gone four more gatherings this Sunday wearing my hocus. Your hocus. And uh, I just can't brag about them enough. They are the most comfortable shoe I have ever, ever, ever worn. And they're feather light. I had you hold one. Yeah. They're feather light. Like styrofoam. And uh, man, they're just they're just awesome. So that's my show and tell. I'm gonna start calling you Hocahannas. Hannas <laughs> <laughs> is a chick, so we're not gonna go well with that. What about Hocahanto? How about uh, <laughs> uh, Hoka Stud? <laughs> Maybe. See if Mom will call you that. I tried Hunka Hoka Hunka. <laughs> Before we get into it, I tried the the Jeep Wave. I started driving to uh, Tacoma to go to Tacoma. And I'm thinking, man, people love these cars. There's got to be a Tacoma wave. There's not. There is no such thing. I've tried it probably a dozen <laughs> times and never get anything. Yeah, there's not. It's no. a Jeep thing. Yeah, it's a Jeep thing. And a all motorcycle right. thing. And a motorcycle thing. Yeah, all bikers wave at each other unless they are really um, angry Harley riders. Oh. The Hell's Angel kind. Like they, Unless you're on a Harley, they won't do it. Right. And and we have a friend who bought a Spider. It's the two front wheels, one in the back. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And uh, he was doing the wave, you know, to other bikes. And uh-huh. he did that to like a, uh, a big, burly, bearded Harley rider. And the guy flipped him off. <laughs> <laughs> like, don't even think you're one of us. Brutal. Yeah. Oh, all right. Uh, so he dehumanized him. He, he exactly. <laughs> that, that, all that man is is that tricycle. That's right. Okay. Here's the third uh, knock on the side of the head. The only way to love well, I'll just say it and then we'll talk about it. Sure. The only way to love well is to withdraw yourself. And therefore, you make room for the other person to dance their own dance, sing their own song, and speak their own language. This is an idea I got from a a book by Henry Nowen. 
mm-hmm. called The Wounded Healer. I really love that book. I've been rereading it. Uh, but here's the idea is that because you would think if I would draw from you, how can I have a better relationship with you? Sure. Uh, the reality about us is most of the time when we talk to somebody, we're not so much eager to learn about them. We're eager for them to give us something. I've said to people who um, are leaders or, um, you know, parents. Yeah. What is it people want from you? And the answer they always give is my time. Right. And I'm like, no, they don't want your time. They want your energy. They want what you bring with you when you give them your time. Interesting. And so I've gone, this is an aha I had a few years ago. I've gone from time management to energy management because I know that when I enter into a space, the people I'm there to be with want me to bring what I bring. Sure. And so if I'm too exhausted to bring it or too spent to bring it, then I'm not serving them well. So that leads to this aha. The only way for me, um, and I do think in, in this case, most of the time what they want, that, that thing I'm bringing often is making room for to learn about them. I ask people right. lots and lots and lots of questions. Yeah. And uh, the, so the concept is to, the only way to really serve another person well um, and to love them well is to withdraw the self so that you make space to experience all of them without trying to get something from it. The idea was, you know, that God, Ephesians 2 says that he fills everything in every way. God is omnipresent. He's omniscient. God is everywhere. Yeah. Therefore, the only way he could create the universe, the planets, the galaxies was to vacate space so that he could fill it with a creation. Wow. Uh, so this is what we do. It, for, it, for me to love you well, I have to vacate some space and let you fill it. Yeah, even even just time-wise, if you have X amount of hours of free time and you would rather put your feet up and watch a show or you could reach out to a buddy that that is giving up your that is vacating space of your own time and filling it with another person yeah and the worst example of what i'm talking about as the opposite of that is you'll say to someone uh man i pulled my hamstring and and you don't even finish your story they're like oh that happened to me once and they start talking about their story yeah uh or uh, my cousin's got covid oh my aunt got covid and they you know they can't hear your story without telling their story yeah and connecting to them, I'm connecting with you. This is right. this is us. What they're actually doing is they're focused on the self. Yeah. They're bringing the self to your story instead of just having your story. So to love you well, I don't withdraw from you emotionally, but I withdraw myself, the self, which creates loneliness. Mm-hmm. Now, when you start doing this, and this is something I've observed because this is I haven't thought of it in these terms necessarily. I wrote, I read the wounded healer man 20 years ago. So maybe, wow. maybe it's worked in me because of reading and thinking without, yeah, without having without a consciously thing. Yeah. yeah. But, um, I ask people lots of questions because I want people to talk about themselves. I want to know them and what I've observed now that anyone who listens to this is going to go, Oh, you know, Oh, they're going to call you out on it or something. Well, like they're going to not, they're going to not do this anymore. <laughs> Uh, but I can go an entire day where I spend, I make, I withdraw and make space for everyone I meet and not one of them will do it for me. Mm. So what I mean is they're, they're loving 
the opportunity to fill that space, to dance their dance, sing their song and speak their language without fear. And it does not occur to them because they're enjoying that so much to return the favor. Yeah. And uh, so it's a little lonely. It can be a little bit lonely. Yeah. And so this is the idea is that that loneliness, that's the wound you take to love. Well, I'm going to withdraw me and I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to hold back the urges, needs, and wishes of the self. And I'm going to make space where it's all about you. Yeah. That that's what love really does. It's really interesting. I had this, um, normally when I have an aha, like the kind we often talk about, they're not, they don't have long lasting lifestyle implications mm-hmm. just because I'm on to the next one kind of thing. <laughs> so unless it's like a big spiritual moment, sure. but one of these that was not consciously spiritual in nature was I had this realization that why am I even, what do I get? Like if I'm thinking of it just selfishly, what do I get from doing that from, from, uh, hogging the conversation, telling mm. more about myself? Yeah. Cause I have, you know, in a conversation, uh, something comes up, you want to say, like if you're in like a group of four or five people sure, and you know, you got to kind of interject a little bit. And then if you wait too long, you, then you, you don't get your turn. No, what you have to say is now you'd have to go back a few steps in the conversation. Right. So I'd have one of these and I'd be bummed if I waited too long or whatever. And I, I was thinking about it even just selfishly. Wouldn't I gain more knowledge, um, uh, insight, insight, perspectives? Wouldn't I gain way more if I just absorbed the whole time? Mm-hmm. What do I even get from sharing? Mm-hmm. And so it's a selfish kind of thought because maybe eventually you would have something worth sharing that would, would actually be good for somebody. But in the conversations we're talking about, it serves even just your own experience is better to just listen, yeah. to just soak it up. And the other thing that came to mind, uh, different than that, but when you talk about the loneliness or the uh, sacrifice that this takes, is you said something, I think it was uh, on an episode even, where you said, um, that's what you said, it was about the uh, calling your holiest friend to the party and the people at the party, whether or not they want him there. <laughs> and he said that because that guy doesn't need anything from them, yeah. he can serve them. Yeah. And there's no baggage there. Yeah. I've heard this in a sermon played to the utmost cranked where a guy said that, you know, and he said this, so who knows how it would actually go, but he said, even if his wife cheated on him, his heart would break for her. Mm. What, what, how you must've been hurting so bad to do that because he needs nothing from her. He gets right. what he needs from God. Right. And so the, the emotional Man, attachment, that's, that's intense, but that, that would be him realizing how wounded must she be to have done something to like defy that. her own standard yeah. of uh, integrity. Yeah. So yeah, it was a hugely powerful thought. And that's the humanizing thing. Exactly. Because for him to, for him to just be wounded himself, how could you do this to me? Right. Is to put her back in the dehumanization space. Then she goes from being his wife to being the person who wounded him. Like just that image of the, the, yeah. uh, the, what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, oppressors what comes to mind. But that's not what I'm thinking. The aggressor. Yeah. It's just the image of that. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Man, but, that's interesting. But the idea that if you are dependent on God and you get your needs from God, then your needs in conversation in uh more uh kind of shallower relationships or, mm-hmm. or engagements mm-hmm. like that, you have no needs there. You don't need to, to that's dance. Pretty that wonderful. Guy. So all you can do is you can just give. You can give freely and lovingly and yeah. and the only way you can do that 
is to have all of your love needs met somewhere else. I am deeply loved. Therefore, I don't have to convince you to love me. Exactly. Exactly. Wow. That's pretty awesome. These are some good wax on the head. <laughs> yeah, I hope you get. I hope you got knocked upside the head today, and that you uh, meditate on these. We'd love to hear your feedback, response, any thoughts or ahas you had. Do you have a, a takeaway regarding all three? Or well, I think I think the yeah, they're all kind of uh, relationally vibrant. Sure, they color how I relate to everyone, including God. So, um, I think they're powerful. And they require what they do is they push all of my sustenance of the self into God. Mm. And, uh, and so again, I think my takeaway is that, that thing at the very end there, um, the only way I can love you well is to know that I am already deeply loved. Yeah. And so I truly don't need anything from you. Uh, that's a, that's a, that's a pretty powerful place to be. Yeah, I hadn't realized it that all three of these are uh, other focused. Mm-hmm. And I think I just realized that talking about how difficult it is to humanize fully and to empathize fully, I think it's because that sacrifices how special you are, how special I am. Mm. So like in my head, I'm I'm the main guy. I'm in the, I'm the center of the universe. Uh, yeah, in the in the book of life, I am <laughs> the main. Character. I'm Luke Skywalker. Yeah. You know? <laughs> so so I to, am the uh, what's that person called? The, the protagonist. Yes, I'm the protagonist. So to fully acknowledge the humanity of everyone else is to fully let go of your specialness. That everyone is as human and as loved and as unique as you. And I wonder if that's a millennial, you know, millennial thing. We get all participation trophies and we're all special snowflakes or whatever. I don't know if I, I, it feels more human to me than just that. Yeah. Uh, but but I wonder if that's really the barrier uh, is is, I don't know, lifting up people up to that extent to yeah. to, to yourself. To yeah. The, yeah. 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 I don't know. That's awesome. Hey, thanks for listening. We'd love to hear from you. Check us out at Instagram, Jim and John. And you can email us info at Jim and No H in the John. That'd be great. And we uh, have a link tree in our bio of our Instagram. So if you want to, if you're just on the Instagram app, you don't want to switch over to a browser, go to our uh, profile, click on there, and from there you can get to our website and everything that's on the website. Love it. Have a great day.